Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Monday, June the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are joined by a special guest to talk all things Dolphins OTA so far. Antoine Staley of USA Today and I chat about who is making the best impressions at camp, the revamped coaching staff, and much, much more. But first, I have to implore you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfulNFL and follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs. We are 10 weeks through the Ryan Tannehill charting project. That's up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. As you guys know by now, when I have a guest, I don't want to waste any time. So let's go ahead and bring on Antoine Staley. That's another Miami Dolphins. And joining me now is a member of Dolphins Media. He covers the team for USA Today's The Dolphins Wire, and you can catch him on 790 The Ticket on AM Radio. He's Antoine Staley on Twitter. Antoine, thanks for catching up with me today, man. Hey, nice to finally be with you, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about this for a while now, so it's cool to kind of sit down with you and, and put a voice to the to the Twitter account and all that stuff. So, uh, but real quick, yeah, it's good to be with you finally. <laughs> absolutely. Before we get started, man, I had to ask you. We're recording this on a, on a Thursday. I'm not going to air it until Monday. So game one tips off tonight in the NBA Finals. So we'll be two games behind, I think. And I had to ask you, who is your pick for the NBA Finals? Or I guess a better way to phrase it is, how many games will it take the Warriors to dispose of LeBron and the Cavs? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I, obviously, I think most people are taking the Warriors. And I think what's, what the, uh, it, what's going to be interesting is uh, Andre Iguodala. He's going to be out for game one, and he might not play the entire series. So I, I do still like the Warriors to win the series, but that, that's still a big loss because he covered LeBron. Uh, extensively the last three years during the finals. So without him, you're going to more emphasis is going to be on Kevin Durant and Draymond Green guarding LeBron James. And, you know, nobody can, nobody can stop LeBron. I mean, that's kind of what it is, but it's just kind of limit what he's able to do. I thought Eagle Lala did a good job with that the last three years. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do and how they can kind of contain LeBron James as much as possible. So I, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with six games, but just because for that reason, but I still like to go to State Warriors to end up winning a third championship out of four years. Just real quick, do you like the fact that it's the same teams four years in a row? No, not, not really. I would like to see something different, but I think uh, the public loves it because it gives them familiarity and its rivals are good for sports. No I mean, matter, uh, where, where you look at it. So I, I think that these two, these two fan bases can kind of, they know one another. They've, like I said, they've gone up against each other the last four years. So I think uh, for me personally, I would like to see a little bit more variety. But the NBA has been made on robberies. You got the Lakers, Celtics uh, from the 80s. Uh, you had Bulls, Utah Jazz um, played each other in the finals of, uh, for two straight years. Uh, so you, your rivals have been, you know, kind of good for the league. Celtics, Lakers wants to get in the uh, 2000. So, yeah, I, I think anytime you have a robbery, I think fans just kind of get behind it and they get excited about it. 
Yeah, I, I, it, for me, it makes a big difference too because I'm not a huge fan of the NBA in general. So when I get these me know, either. these these big games like this or these big series with the big stars, it makes it more attractive for a fan like me. So I, I can see where they're going with that. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I grew up in North Carolina. I grew up a Hornets fan, so it's not – the NBA is not really as fun to me uh, these days, uh, especially with the Hornets not performing pretty well. So <laughs> I'll just put it to you like that. I'm more of a college basketball fan these days. Yeah, same here. But, you know, the fans didn't have us come on here to talk about basketball. So let's go ahead and get in some football here. And the, before we do that, I wanted to ask you real quick, tell us how you, how you got into this current position covering the Dolphins for USA Today and what it's like to cover a team that – Let's face it; they've been mediocre for a long time now. Well, I uh, I moved down here uh, as I alluded to. I'm originally from North Carolina, the Charlotte area. I uh, moved down to South Florida in 2012 and started covering the Dolphins in 2013. Uh, I previously worked for the Palm Beach Post for a few years. Uh, worked for the Miami Herald. Worked for Miami Herald for a little bit, and yeah, I just started working for USA Today uh, last year. Uh, but I covered the Dolphins for the last six plus years, and yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. I went to school for journalism, and uh, started work my way up there, and just kind of continued to climb the ladder, and, and just been lucky to be in this position. And yeah, I, yeah the Dolphins hadn't had they've had one playoff season since I've covered the team, but uh, I could be doing a. Uh, well, worst beats actually, uh, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about uh, the Dolphins being mediocre. At least, at least they're not the Cleveland Browns <laughs> or some of the other places. And it's always warm, so you can't really uh, complain too much about that. All things are good down there for you. And you know, I always talk about how they get lumped into that group with like the Jets or the Bills and the Browns. And they've been, you know, a seven, six, eight win team. So it's not like they're that bad. So you make a good point there. No. But it, it's nice to have you on. I, I try to be as balanced as I can, but you can balance me out probably even more because I am a Dolphins fan, even though I host a Dolphins podcast here. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into some content here and talk about OTAs and camp and everything with the Dolphins. So you've been around this current iteration of the Dolphins team for a couple of weeks now as OTAs are two weeks old. What are your early impressions from the first two weeks of OTAs? And is it different than the first two years under Adam Gaze? Yes, I I will answer your last question first. Yes, it's definitely that because it seems like Adam Gaze finally has his type of players that he wants in his system. And he did not do that his first uh, two years. I mean, obviously, the first year he comes in, he takes over a team that's really that was built by Joe Philbin and Dennis Hickey, and had to kind of decide: well, do I like this player? Do I like that player? And it's kind of you just kind of have to make it work. You're not going to do a complete roster overhaul in a year. And of course, they made the playoffs in 2016, and everything's good. You give this guy a contract, that guy a contract. You know, everything's just all great, like all gravy for the Dolphins last offseason. So you come off a 10 to 6 season, expectations are high, and then Tannehill gets hurt. So, and Tannehill was, and we talked to Adam Gates. We, we kind of had these discussions with him, just kind of off the record. But I, I can kind of tell you that he was very excited about having Ryan Tannehill for the second year because he thought he was just going to take off. He really did. So to lose him um, in camp the way it did just kind of took the air out of that below. And then you have Jay Cutler, and it, things just didn't go the way Adam Gates intended. Like he thought we'd go with Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler practiced well, but once the games got started and the bullets got flying, and he he just didn't want to get hit anymore. He's he's thirty four years old. He just he just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And we talk about a man that definitely briefly retired, and of course he retired for a reason. So. But looking back on it now, just kind of uh, to sum it all up, he's finally gotten the players that he wants 
there, and Jarvis Landry would have been a part of those players. But of course, money circumstances, nothing can control that. But you know, you get you get rid of Mike Pouncey, you get rid of Dominican Sue, a contract that was just kind of hanging over the Dolphins, and you get a more of a collection of type of players that he wants. So yeah, I think it's more of a I see a definitely upbeat, balanced team uh, attitude with the Dolphins this offseason. You mentioned the fact that they have a couple guys that walked out because of some of the contracts they had to pay elsewhere, and that's kind of one of the bummers of the offseason is I think if you don't sign McDonald or Kiko Alonso or Andre Branch, you can probably bring back Jarvis Landry or Indomitian Sue. Yeah. So it kind of sucks to lose those guys, but you actually put a, a good segue in there for me with the Jay Cutler thing because we're going to have to get a word from our sponsor, Blue Chew, here in a second, and I actually wrote it around Jay Cutler. So we'll get to that right now. Be back more with Antoine Staley on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Lethal NFL, at Lockdown Fins, and at Antoine Staley. When it comes to the bedroom, are you lacking confidence? Are you throwing off of your proverbial back foot? Do you throw four picks and commit three fumbles in crucial December games? If you're performing like Jay Cutler, you don't have to anymore. Like the Dolphins, get your franchise quarterback upright and healthy again with BlueChew.com. Listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue, not red. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, after a big win or a deflating loss, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no more in-person doctor's visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkward conversations. They're made in the U.S., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free today. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And we're back here with Antoine Staley of USA Today. And on the other side of the podcast, we talked about the difference between this year and last year and even 2016. And one of the things the team has been banging its head into the wall over since Adam Gaze arrived back in 2016 is the no-huddle offense. At first, the team wasn't up to speed with it in 2016. It took them five or six games before they just scrapped it all together. Then they didn't have the personnel last year. And now they finally seem poised to actually do it. So have you seen it in practice? And what's your take on the early returns from the no-huddle offense and the pace of practice? Yeah, I, I saw them practice yesterday. And, yeah, they were definitely working a little bit on that. Uh, as far as how it's coming out, it's still rough. It's still early on throughout training camps. So, I mean, OTAs, excuse me. So it's still going to be some case worked out. You have to remember that. One, Tannehill is coming back from that injury. And also, he's looking at it now. Uh, I mean, he, it's something that, as you alluded to, he hadn't really practiced since Adam Gates' first year. They tried to implement it. They tried to run it. And, uh, Tannehill, it was just it became too much for him because he not only is he's trying to get comfortable with the offense, he's also trying to hurry up and get people to the line and do it's just a lot going on with Tannehill. So I feel like once they took that responsibility away from him running no huddle, the Dolphins ended up being good. He ended up becoming more relaxed in the offense. So I think now being his third year in the offense, I know he didn't play last year, but it's still his third year in the office because he's, he's still studying. He still was around the football team. I think now he's a little bit more comfortable to be able to say, you know what, 
I can run this offense now, and I know the entire playbook. So, and he has the familiarity and the comfort level with Adam Gase. And it's always seemed like he's played better when he's not necessarily thinking. So I feel like if he gets into the no huddle and can get into a rhythm, because he's such a rhythm guy, all of his good games in his career, for the most part, have been games where he was flawless, like 130 passer rating types of games. So if you can get him back into that mold over and over again, that seems like it would be a good way to go. Yeah, I agree. I think... When he went down, he was playing, no matter what you think about Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback, he was playing the best football of his career. Uh, he's saying, like, everything was just coming together. The Dolphins were running the football very well. The offensive line was completely healthy. The defense was playing solid. And then you had Tannehill was not making mistakes. And they were they were winning games that before his previous years they would lose. They would play a lot of close games, but they were – and they'll inevitably end up losing those games. And they end up winning, I mean. So I think, he, like I said, the team was playing so well, and Tannehill in particular had over 100 quarterback rating uh, during those last eight games that he started. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows exactly how he's going to perform coming off the, the injuries. But what we do know is 2016, when they – he he helped them reach the playoffs. I don't care. I know he didn't start it to get the last uh, few games and the playoff game. Matt Moore did, but without him, they wouldn't have got to the playoffs. So I think fans at least have to be encouraged by what they saw the last time they they saw Tannehill on the field. I get quite a kick out of people saying that Matt Moore took him there when it was a Bryce Petty-led Jets team and a Rex Ryan-led Buffalo Bills team that was packing it in for the year that they won those two games against. There's no way that Tannehill had beaten those teams. They were both stronger earlier in the year. So I, that, that argument really loses a lot yeah. of weight with me, but... Yeah, they were like where what the Dolphins were last year, especially when the Bills came in. Yeah, uh, exactly. They were teams that yeah, once the season like once the once the season gets over, you know you're eliminated, and you know you just players just gonna say, you know what, some players just gonna pack it in. So yeah, I completely agree with you. I remember that Jets game was on a Saturday night, and I don't get to watch a lot of games with yeah. my brother because we live in opposite towns. We're both Dolphins fans, and I went to his house and we had a big Christmas party that night. Saturday night games are always fun, and uh, we we watched the game, and it was I think it was it was either seven nothing or. It was either 10-0 or 7-0, and the Jets were driving before that Cam Wake pick. And we were sitting there thinking, how in the hell are we losing to this Bryce Petty-led Jets team? It was such an embarrassing first quarter. Then, obviously, things changed there, and the rest of the season changed there as well. But let's go ahead and get back into this Tannehill talk. And as you know, Antoine, I'm I'm doing all the charting. I talk about the guy all the time on Twitter. And all of my stuff is based on what I saw in that 2016 stretch where he was playing so well. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the quarterback with you. And you're something of a Ryan Tannehill detractor, at least a little bit. And I didn't ask you in the podcast to debate you here. I'm not trying to get get that going. But I am curious, what does he have to do in 2018 to get you to buy in fully on him as a franchise quarterback? Well, I mean, obviously, health is the big thing. But, you know, I'm not worried about his health. Because Tannehill was so durable before uh, he suffered the a- ACL injury in 2016, so I'm not really worried about that as well. I'm just worried. I just, what I what I want to see from Tannehill is consistency. That's what I want to see. I want to see that Tannehill that during those last eight games, six, seven, eight games that he played in, he was consistent. That's as consistent as I ever seen Tannehill. Because before then, yeah, he would have game stretches, games where he would have he would be efficient. He would have two touchdowns, no interceptions, or three touchdowns, no interceptions. But he also have a, a couple of games where uh, he was, you know, misfire with some passes or throw two or three interceptions, and yeah, that's not where I, where you want to see a franchise, you know, a franchise quarterback or even a you know a decent quarterback, second tier quarterback. 
But yeah, I just feel like consistency is really the big thing with me and Ryan Tannehill. I think he can do it. I just need to see it throughout the course of a whole season, especially with Adam Gates, because unfortunately we didn't get that. Uh, we was kind of robbed of that in 2016. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, the idea of being in year three for Ryan Tannehill is a big deal. And also just getting older and more mature, the game does slow down for you at that age too. So I'm excited to see what happens there from a mental standpoint. And like you said, hopefully it strings together more consistent efforts from him. But let's talk about this overmade coaching staff or overhauled coaching staff, I should say, because it's not just the players the Dolphins remade. This I remember going back over my notes from columns and podcasts in February, and they were making changes all over the coaching staff. So it's pretty yes. new. What are your early impressions of guys like Tony Oden and Ronaldo Hill in the secondary, Chris Kusarek on the defensive line, Eric Stutisville, the new running game coordinator, Dow Loggins, the new offensive coordinator? Give me some thoughts on the new coaches. Uh, they bring in a new energy. Uh, I, I wish I could talk. Well, I could, we could have a podcast on just all the uh, new coaching changes that they had. Now, I, I don't know if I ever seen a team have that much of, much of a turnover in coaching changes in one particular year. But yeah, I mean, they like we talked to them this week, and they're just bringing in new energy. And they're what they're doing is not completely telling players to do it our way, but they're just kind of tweaking some of the things that they do. And also, when you bring in new people, whether it be new players, new coaches. They bring in a new excitement. And it feels like to me, uh, at the end of the year, the Dolphins just, for whatever reason, not necessarily bringing the coaches, some of that's on the players too, they just kind of lack that fire that they had uh, the previous year. So whenever you get new play- new players and new coaches in there, it just kind of brings in a whole completely new energy because everybody's going to be motivated. Whether it be uh, Eric Stubbsville, who was let go by the Broncos, he's going to, he wants to be motivated. He's motivated now also to prove that he still has it as a, you know, running game coordinator. And also he has a previous relationship with Adam Gates and he knows what Adam Gates can do. And it's, you know, his type of offense. So I'm sure he's excited about that and also teaming up with Frank Gore. And we talked to him about Kenyon Drake today. And he just saw he, he had he saw Kenyon Drake firsthand when they played the Broncos last December. And he's just very excited. And he feels like the running back core is just so deep for the Dolphins. And I agree. You end up having Frank Gore along with Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balazs there. And I said like Buddy Howe too. I don't know uh I don't know how much he's gonna be in the backfield, but I definitely think that you, you, the fans are going to see a lot of him throughout the preseason, and he's a big guy, so I think you have that's probably going to be your four running backs at least, that's what I think going forward this uh, upcoming season, but yeah, so I just think you, really the bottom line it is, you just kind of bring a whole new excitement when you bring in the amount of changes that they did. So he goes by Buddy, not Gregory. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy's his name. Yeah, Greg, Gregory is his real name. Okay, because I, yeah, I got the buddy. I got the roster here <laughs> on my wall next to me that I always use for the podcast. I'm just looking at it. It says I, I never know what to do when those nicknames come up because sometimes they're they're official, sometimes they're not. So you just never really know. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know that too until we started talking to him. And then also, um, you look at the Dolphins' um, official roster. It has. Um, Buddy Howell on that. So that's what I'll call him. And that's what he said he wants to be called. So, hey, I can't argue with the man. Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right there. And the one thing you said out of that whole, that that uh, little segment there was talking about Eric Stoutisville. And you said that the Broncos let him go. And I, I remember reading an article about that when that happened, that they were kind of, you know, detractors or pundits, whatever you want to call them, were saying, like, what do you, why, why would you do that? He's a good coach. He brings a lot of energy, like you mentioned. And I'm curious because you've been around this team for a couple of years now. And the last running game coordinator went down in the most infamous flames I can imagine a coach going down in with a cocaine video and talking to a stripper yeah. and a love video, all this stuff. 
did you get ever get a sense of this guy's not right or this guy is something's up with him or what what was he like being around Chris Forster? Uh no, never got that sense. So uh, we're talking about somebody that was in the league for uh twenty plus years. So no, I don't think anybody got that sense that anything was going wrong or he was on any kind of substance or anything of that nature as well. It was complete it, it, it was a completely shock, the whole thing, the whole ordeal, because if you remember that happened right after the Titans game. And, you know, the Dolphins, you know, just celebrating, winning. And, you know, I, I just got home that night um, and I was tired and I, I just said, you know, I'm going to go to bed early. And uh, I, I, I started laying down and then I started getting text messages. My phone just kept buzzing and buzzing. And normally I get one or two times. I'm just, you know, if I'm tired, uh, I'm just going to ignore it. But you know, I it just kept going over and over again. So you just kind of have to look at it. And then I saw the video and just, oh, wow, <laughs> I, I'm completely shocked. And not only was he doing that, it was in the Dolph facility. And yeah. it was just like a whole complete mess about it. So, yeah, they quickly just kind of, Last year, was, I just quickly you know, got, you know, ended up, well, Forrester resigned, quote unquote, got fired. But yeah, it was last year. That was kind of like the, last year was just kind of like the total perfect storm. Yeah. Whether you look at the hurricane or Lawrence Timmons and that situation and Ray Maluga. And yeah, it was just one thing after another. And obviously, the Tannehill started the whole thing with that as well. So it was just like perfect storm for the Dolphins last year. And that was just one of the reasons, that was just part of it. You mentioned Ryan Tannehill getting hurt in the last segment, and I'll never forget this because I think it was the the same day before he got hurt, the Baltimore Ravens were dropping like flies in training camp last year. And I remember I was at dinner with my my fiancé, uh, not fiancé at the time, girlfriend at the time, and I was telling her, like, I just can't imagine going into August and losing all these guys in camp. It's got to be so depressing because we as football fans look forward to this all spring and all summer, and then to have it taken away from you in August just sucks. And then the next day I wake up on my phone and it says Ryan Tannehill leaves practice with a knee injury. So it's it's the worst, man. I can't. I really hope we can yeah. get through August again. Yeah, it is. Uh, I remember uh, one of the beat one of the beat writers. I won't mention his name. He ended up saying, "Or into training camp. Well, this is boring. Like, it's no stories in the training camp. <laughs> Nothing's going on." And I'm just like, "Don't say it," because you never know. You just kind of jinx it, and then a couple of days later, that happens to Tannehill. But yeah, I remember watching the play, and he's just scrambling out, and it's he just planted his foot wrong, and then you just. It was just like the air just – it was like somebody just died out there in training camp, seriously. And everybody knew it. Uh, the fans knew it who were watching. The media knew it. And it was just it was just unfortunate. You hate to see anybody just go through that, especially how good of a hard worker – how much of a hard worker Ryan Tannehill is. And he's obviously – he's also a nice guy. No matter what I've always thought about him, uh, his play, he's always been a classy guy. And there's always – that was just welcoming to the media and always be willing to talk. And also brutally honest about his performance. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've always never, never really understood the vitriol around, like, you know, there's so many people out there that just despise the guy. And it's like, well, you know, he's a, he's a good dude. He's a good family guy and all this stuff. He so. is. But it, it, it's, he is. It, he is. He's so nice. And he will, if he's not playing well, he will tell you yeah. he's not playing well. He's not one of those guys that that's going to say, well, I, I I did what I was supposed to do or anything like that. He's really honest on the, he's hard on himself. He really is. Well, and that's, that's the nature of the business. I mean, there are people that think LeBron James isn't a good basketball player. So you just, <laughs> it, it comes <laughs> with the territory, man, I, I suppose. This is true. <laughs> but hey, we've got one more segment here. I want to do a rapid fire session with him. He's Antoine Staley at Antoine Staley on Twitter. Next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. 
All right, I've got Antoine Staley here for a few more minutes, and I wrote a few questions down to throw at you here for a rapid-fire segment. Are you ready for that? Yeah, sure. All right, first one here is, which player on the offense has looked the best so far in OTAs? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I, I like I, I like Raekwon McMillan. Uh, I, I think he's he's really impressed me. Uh, look, before I answer all these, it, it's you know it's, they're not playing in pads. Yeah. So they're obviously in shorts too. So you just have to take this with a grain of salt. But one thing that did impress me with Raekwon McMillan is just the fact that his leadership on the field. He's po- he's telling veterans where to point up at and just being very. Uh, active at the line of scrimmage, um, calling out plays and things like that. So that's really impressed me more than anything, more or less than the, his actual performance on the field. And that's so much fun to hear. But you just got to remember, these fans are craving anything at this time of year because we're waiting for some football. So that's why we do this. But yeah. how about the other side of the ball? How about on the offense? Uh, offensively, I, I, I like Albert Wilson. He, uh, during the first open uh, OTA practice last week, he uh, called a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was really impressed by him, his speed. Uh, I, I, I watched a few games with him with Kansas City, but I didn't get a good sense of how fast he is. But just he, he's, he's a small guy, but he is such a burner. And the Dolphins, that's one thing I do like about this team. They have a lot of speed, um, whether offensively or defensively. And I think fans are going to be impressed to see that this upcoming year. Not to self-promote or anything, but if you go to LockedOnDolphins.com, Albert Wilson's route tree from 2017, I charted all the catches he had, and there's some good information in there for you if you're curious on that front. But uh, who was the, who's been the most impressive undrafted free agent so far in camp? Uh, I mean... You really don't see it. You really haven't seen a whole lot. Uh, I, I like uh, I like Jalen Davis, really, uh, to be honest with you, if I'm talking about any of the undrafted free agents. Uh, I actually thought he was a legit pickup uh, out of Utah State, and uh, he's somebody that I think could possibly make, make the football team, uh, if not make the final 53-man roster, or at least be a first guy that's going to be um, – put on special I mean put on practice squad and if injuries will arise then I think he he could definitely see him in the game sometime this year. Yeah, we've had Ian Wart on the podcast before and he keeps talking about the Dolphins need for one of those like an Alteron Werner type, a veteran off the street that can come in and provide depth. So if you can find that from a guy like Jalen Davis, that'd be really nice to have. And a secondary that's already looking impressive as it is. So um, speaking of the secondary, there is this buzz around Mika Fitzpatrick and how impressive he is as a, a, a leader, as a player, as a guy that prepares the right way. Is all that stuff legit? Like, what have you heard about Mika Fitzpatrick the, the two weeks down there? Well, I've heard he's um, picked up uh, a few of the quarterbacks um, three or four times throughout OTAs, and we've just been two weeks in. So I think that's pretty impressive. I don't know who what quarterbacks he was playing at the time that that information wasn't given, but I can't tell you that the players and uh, coaches are definitely been impressed with them. Uh, they're going to, what they, what I do like is they're making players earn their stripes. And, but you want a talent like Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, it's going to be hard to just kind of keep him off the field because he's making so many big plays throughout OTAs. So I fully expect, him to be an integral part of the Dolphins defense this upcoming year. Yeah, I cannot wait to watch him, even in August in the preseason games. All right, who is the best interview? And it can be a player or a coach on the team. Uh, I like uh, I, I like Juwan. Juwan James is really nice. Um, Sam Sam Young is um, a classy guy to talk to as well. Uh, I Devon Gotcha. Uh, I think he he was very he was very nice when we talked to him, especially mm-hmm. yesterday. So I enjoy talking to him as well. Uh, yeah, those would be uh, two of the, be two or three of the guys that I would kind of point to as well. 
Godshaw's got a really cool backstory if you haven't heard about him at all. Uh, growing up in, in, in a poverty-stricken situation in, in Louisiana, so that's a pretty cool story about him. And then Antoine, I didn't put this down in the uh, in the pre-show prep for you, and I wanted to put it to you here with some pressure. What is your record prediction for the season? Come on, man! Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's the ex- exact response I wanted. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna. I haven't really predicted yet, but if you're putting me on the spot right now, I'm gonna say eight and eight. Oh, you can Drew Rosenhaus me and give right me a now. no comment if you want. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, no, I'll, I'll say that. I, I, I think as time going, it goes on. I'm starting to. At first, I was kind of hesitating about this team, but as I've watched them a little bit more and gotten a little bit more of a better sense around them, uh, I, they could potentially be a playoff team. I'm not saying they're gonna win the division. Obviously, I don't think that's gonna be the case. But I mean, in the AFC, you look at outside of New England and uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, it's a lot of questions there. I mean, can Jacksonville yeah. do it once again? Uh, Tennessee is a team that's up and coming, but they have a new coach, uh, Mike Brable. Kansas City, um, Patrick Mahomes is the new starter there. Oakland with Derek Carr. Can John Gruden get him back on the right track? So, it's, I mean, there's a lot of questions on the AFC. I, I don't think it's one other than those two teams I mentioned. Um, you, uh, the teams you kind of feel great about in that AFC, con- AFC, to be honest with you. It's nowhere near the NFC. It's crazy how much the power has shifted because I'm, I'm sitting here doing these, you know, just for fun when I got time to kill, trying to predict the playoffs. And I, I have the Dolphins in, the, in a wild card spot. I can't figure out who that sixth team is. Like after the division winners and the Dolphins, I don't know who that sixth playoff team is because like you said, it's so weak at the top. Yeah. I mean, it could be any of those things. It could be, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me to be the Raiders or, or even the Chargers. I, I, I really like the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers are legit. I liked them last year. They got off to such a slow start, and that's really what um, killed them. But, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of how much talent can they can come together around Phillip Rivers. You don't question Phillip Rivers, just the amount of talent around them. So, yeah, I just think that, yeah, it's going to be a crapshoot in that AFC, and I'm sure it's going to look like come playoff time, but the Dolphins can certainly be one of them. Yeah, and it seems like people are starting to kind of warm up to the Dolphins a little bit more than they were earlier in the offseason. But I have one last question for you here, and it involves the uh, Dolphins press corps. Who is the guy that is, I don't want to say dad jokes, but who's the guy that's always keeping it light and looking for a chance at a joke? Like, who is the class clown of the Dolphins media? Jason Leisure. That's the question. <laughs> I can see it in his Twitter account, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he is. He, he's, he's like the uh, dry humor type of person. Uh, as far as the uh, Dolphins video room, he's always joking about something. And it, it, I mean, you could just a little thing. Uh, it's just always, whether it be about lunch, whether it be an interview with players. Uh, I remember he talked about Cam Waite's diet last year, and that was a big thing. He was, him and Cam Waite were just going back and forth about that. He, asking him, does he ever crave for a pizza? And of course, Cameron Waite says no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's, it's always something with Jason Lee. So that, that's, a, that's an easy answer there. Him and him and Joe Shad with the Jupiter juggernaut with uh, Cody Parkey last oh, year was yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, oh, they were crushed at Chicago. It took them a, about a week to get over that. That might be one of the biggest concerns in this team going into the year. I mean, we saw, you talked about the Chargers. Their kicker lost them two games to start the season off. I'm worried about yeah. that. Yeah, you should be because uh, they have two rookie kickers in camp, and they don't have a veteran in there. So it's a legitimate concern. Uh, you talk, you got Jason Sanders in there. And I know Darren Rizzi really likes him, but, I mean, you, you never know what's going to happen uh, once, once the bright lights go on with a kicker. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they can look good in practice, but once the lights come on, it's a completely different animal. Well, I appreciate you filling the summer-long quota for the kicker talk here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I'm I'm Daryl. Like I'm all <laughs> personal, so hey, I, I'm 
I'm all about quarterback to the man, to the 53rd man on the roster. So that's how you got to be. I appreciate it because I, I just I tend to ignore it so much. It seems like it's such an easy position to forget about, but it's an important one. So we'll see what happens. With it, that. It, it, it's not important until you need. Exactly, one. that's what it is. Exactly right. No young Waku losing two games to start the season off for you. But anyway, he is Antoine Staley once again. You can find his work on USA Today's The Dolphins Wire. He also covers the U at Canes Football and for Athlon Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at at Antoine Staley. Antoine, this was a blast, man. Let's do it again sometime in training camp. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Travis, man. Thanks for having me on finally. Yeah, of course. Thanks a lot, man. Man, what a fun podcast that was. I just regret not having him on sooner, but looking forward to getting more of Antoine Staley on the podcast both in training camp and as the season rolls along. But as for this podcast, that will do it for this edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. You guys be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockdownFins and follow our flagship show at NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one rated blog in the Lockdown Network. You guys have a terrific rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.